Are you struggling in your faith? Are you pretending you're happy but stuck in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of listening to famous pastors and preachers who make it sound so easy? Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Protestant and Catholic voice in America. I talk about the important things that nobody else is talking about, like how to align with God's plan for your life, because I believe this is where 90% of Christians get stuck. And I tackle the negative self-talk that we all secretly struggle with, but won't admit. My guests are brave Protestants and Catholics who share their struggles, their fears, and their daily holy habits that help them win in their spiritual lives. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist and a spiritual coach to Christian business owners and CEOs who are married with children. This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Jeff Voth. He is the founder of Cave Time. So men, listen up. He earned a doctorate in the areas of leadership and spiritual formation and holds master's degrees in apologetics and divinity. He's a professor, a pastor, an author, or speaker. He's married to Laurie and has four grown children, a son-in-law, daughter-in-law, and two grandchildren. You can find him at cavetime.org, cavetime.org. Jeff Voth, welcome to Broken Catholic. Go ahead and fill in some of the, the gaps in that intro, would you? Yeah, it's uh, just an honor to be with you. The only gap, uh, it is weird to hear uh, people talk about you. So I'm like, wow, I wish we could set the bar way lower. I'm like, man, I've been to more school than uh, most people should really have foist upon them. But the only addition I would really add is we have had another grandchild named Juniper, uh, in just the last few months. And so the bad thing about this whole social distancing is I can't kiss them as much, Joseph, mm. as I would really like to. But mm. no, no gaps to fill in. Thank you. Yeah, I truly get that. And just so you know, uh, my wife and I, uh, we've been married going on one year now. Um, we just had our first uh, baby uh, three weeks ago. Uh, congratulations. Three weeks ago, right in the, the midst of all this chaos and uncertainty, and yeah. God blessed us with pure joy. And uh, yeah, and you know what? The social distancing, I get it. And, and we're all di- responding differently. We've had friends over. We've had family over. The first two weeks of night, uh, sleepless nights has not been a thing for me <laughs> because we've had my mother-in-law and the sister-in-laws spending the <laughs> yeah. night taking shifts and I get to do full night sleep. So for all you dads out there that did it the hard way, God love you. But there is another way. Be kind to your in-laws. Restore those relationships. They're very needed. Well done. Thanks, buddy. All right, Jeff, let's get into the show. Um, Take a minute and share something personal about you that very few people in your business life actually know. Yeah, uh, I would say uh, they, they may not know that I was lost in the wilderness at 12 years old on a backpacking trip that that profoundly impacted my life 
And I really believe with all of my heart that I heard God speak to me. Uh, some people would say I had a near-death experience and that was just, you know, you were afraid that you weren't with your parents and you were dying, which was, it's true. But I really uh, got rescued, heard the voice of the Lord, and it dramatically impacted the rest of my life. Mm. So when you first said, you know, I was out in the wilderness and, uh, you know, I'm thinking metaphorically, right? Spiritual wilderness. And you're like, no, I was actually out in the physical wilderness lost. I was lost in the wilderness. Yeah, things could, where things could eat me. (laughs) Where things could physically eat my flesh. (laughs) Got it. So I'd like you to tell us that, that story, do it quickly, but, um, yeah, paint us a picture of what actually happened. You're in the wilderness, and how'd you hear God speak? What did he say? Go for it. Yeah, wasn't raised in what I would consider a religious home that, you know, didn't necessarily teach me that uh, God was there and that he could speak. And my parents came to faith. They met Jesus very profoundly uh, when I was 11. And so within a year, we were, uh, you know, in church and uh, living in Colorado. So there were those mountains up there to the west. And, uh, but I hadn't really, you know, gone to them much. And so had some men at the church that were really into the, to, to the wilderness and backpacking. And uh, so went, you know, saddled up as it were, got, got, you know, all the equipment and went up and uh, have always been a hard charger. And so, you know, how hard can this mountain thing be? And so I ran up ahead and, and uh, pushed, you know, pushed the limits and got myself lost and literally lost deep in the wilderness and made every mistake that you can make to kill yourself. I got scared, you know, ran around in circles, <clears throat> went away from my backpack, uh, but ultimately, um, you know, kind of ran out of mistakes to make and cried out to the Lord, had a New Testament in my pocket that my dad had given me and opened that new Testament and started reading some verses. I thought if I die, I'm at least going to go, you know, I'm going to, I, I, I heard that God's out there and let's see if we can't, you know, make a connection. And so Joseph, I started reading some of those scriptures that he had highlighted that God loved the world that, you know, I, I just started reading them and streaming and yelling and, you know, God, will you save me? And I, I miraculously, kind of heard his voice and followed him uh, 17 miles. I mean, I was deep in the wilderness and, and uh, got rescued, got saved. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm here today to tell about it, but I've been going back to the mountains ever since. We actually made a movie about it called Mountains and Manhood that's gone nationwide on PBS. It tells our story and uh, yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, I, you can't convince me that God doesn't speak. Listen, I can't argue your story. It's yours. That's a beautiful thing. You know, so many times we think in order to evangelize to others, we have to be polished with our words and our apologetics. And you're an expert, right? At apologetics, you have a doctorate and all this. And, and when in fact, the only thing that's not arguable is our story, our spiritual journey how God has spoken to our, our hearts, how he's transformed our lives. I'd like you to share, if you're willing, what did God say to you? How did he lead you back 17 miles? Like, what did he say? Like, turn left, turn right, go up, go down. Yeah. What did he say? Yeah, it's interesting. I heard it wasn't my dad's voice. 
uh, but it was very uh, paternal. And the voice told me that it was going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You're going to get out of this. And I wasn't <laughs> a trained apologist knowing that, you know, thus say it, but I knew that that voice was heavenly and uh, led me to a spot. I know where the spot is today. It's, it's indelibly etched into my mind called Elliot's Ridge, deep in the Gore Wilderness area. And Joseph, I, I looked up to the top of this ridge. <clears throat> I saw a snowbank. I was very thirsty, so I ran to the snowbank, got some snow, and saw a sign. And it is literally a sign up there in the wilderness. They're not, they're not real common as deep as we were. And it's a sign that pointed uh, out towards a direction that I kind of recognized because we had been there days before. And I looked and miles and miles away, I saw a big body of water and a car moving on a highway. And that was the highway right on the other side of Green Mountain Reservoir. I started walking in that direction. I knew at least that civilization was that way and uh, walked out and ultimately uh, a rancher found me and uh, called my parents. They had to bring in search and rescue to find the other two uh, 11 year olds, 12 year olds that were lost with us. It, it could have really ended tragically, mm. but that, that voice kind of whispered to me that way. And then I saw a sign and, and again, you can't take that from me. I, I, know I, I know what I heard, I know what I saw, I know how I was nudged and pushed. Uh, and I've been going back on trips like that ever since and taken hundreds of men uh, on those trips and, and uh, uh, introduced many of them to the one who spoke to me up there. Mm. So if I went on one of those trips with you, would it, would the experience be like we all go up there deep into the wilderness and then you all scatter and run away from me so that I'm, I'm lost and I have to rely on God? <laughs> yes. We, yes uh, yeah. That'd be one way. <laughs> we don't, we don't necessarily orchestrate it exactly like that, but I would encourage you, and this is not a shameless plug for our movie. You should, you know, mountains and manhood. It actually, what we did several years ago in 2016, again, that voice, uh, we had been with my friend John Eldridge and his Wild Heart Boot Camp, and and through some connections, our sons, our, our friends, we saw their movie, and I heard that voice as I was driving out. What if you made a movie? And I'm like, I, you know, I don't make movies, and I distinctly heard the Lord say to me, I do. <laughs> and so I looked over to my son who's in the car, and like, what if we made a movie like John and and his sons did? And my son, Caleb, if you ever get to know him, his, his nickname in our family system is, I'm in. And he's like, Dad, I'm in. I said, well, I didn't even tell you what the movie's about yet. And uh, so he said, well, what is, what is it? And I, I said, let's make a documentary. Let's like in world-class fashion, make a documentary uh, that will tell our story about taking men up and hearing God's voice and let's see what God does. And so we made this documentary and out of the, you, you know this, you, you can't script. When you make a documentary, you just go and you let, you let happen what's going to happen. Well, I have an, my oldest son, Jacob, is a recovered heroin addict. Mm. And uh, so here we are, and that comes out <laughs> in the documentary. And I didn't know I wanted to tout that to the world. I mean, it's, it's okay, but we're like, okay. And, and Joseph, it came out in the beauty of the Rockies, fly fishing, we're crying, we're 
and then and then we make this movie that's really world class. We went to all of these secular film festivals and won awards and ultimately and this wasn't in our plan it got on pbs so it's like this a bunch of these god hearing believing guys up in the mountains but because of that prodigal son heroin addict story being we just told our story very transformative and uh you know there there we are and so that's what happened I am a big fan, Jeff, of our private secret. Yeah. Our worst sin. The thing we don't want anyone to know or discover is the very thing that God wants to use (laughs) in our lives to bring others closer to him. And we avoid it at all costs because we actually hold higher man's approval than God's approval. I agree. And what a waste of of our lives, protecting our mask. You know, this false identity that, that we show the world when deep down we're broken and hurting and wounded like the rest of them. This is why, you know, the show is called Broken Catholic because we show up broken in this world. I believe we're all broken Catholics, broken Christians, you know, we're broken sons and broken daughters. And and not broken in a way that we can't be used, but broken in a way that God uses the broken instruments to make beautiful music. And he wants each of our lives, you know, to be part of the song. And so anyway, I don't want to get all that, but why do you think, Jeff, that deep in the spiritual wilderness is where we hear God's voice? Yeah, we, re- we realize our need that we're to, to, the, to your point in your last statement, we are broken and we need help. And it seems like the wilderness. Uh, you have these wilderness. Where did Jesus go right after he was baptized? The Holy Spirit compelled him to go up to the wilderness where the beasts, one of, one of the gospel writers said where the, the beasts were and, and angels met him there, right? The apostle Paul, where did he go? Went, went to the desert. And so we see all of these major interactions uh, throughout Christian history. There is something about the wilderness and it's beautiful. It's, there's a terror to it. Uh, it's a place where I love my, our friend C.S. Lewis said, that, you know, it's where we see the good but not safe part of God. That's what mm. I believe. And, and we, get, we get that civilized out of us. We get softened uh, because of the stuff that you and I were talking about earlier. We have these idols and we get soft. We're soft. The wilderness puts you out there in the middle of where, wow, it's beautiful but terrible. God, I need you. You're amazing. And you submit <laughs> and, and, and you realize that you need help. That's what I think. It's so good. I think uh, maybe Broken Catholic, BC Nation, maybe you're like me and you've always wanted to have that Moses moment in your life where you're called up to the ridge, to the mountaintop, to, (laughs) to the burning bush, to hear God's voice in your life, to hear God's plan for your life. But you never got to experience that. And you've lost hope that you ever will. Well, I submit that the reason why 
that has occurred for you is you're still down at the bottom worshiping the gods, the false idols. You've made your own statues, right? We said the God of busyness is what we've all been working, worshiping. And God, with a, a forceful and mighty hand, has just smashed the idol of busyness and work across the globe. Smashed it and said, no, stop looking down. Look up. I have the answers. I am who you need. I have the plan for your life. Look up and go to the ridge, as Jeff is saying. Go find that wilderness. So, Jeff, um, how have you brought that wilderness experience years ago and hearing God's voice, how have you brought it down from the mountain, as Moses did, into the secular, into your life and the busyness of life? How have you done that without losing God's voice and God's message? It's all about rhythm. We have to pursue a healthy spiritual rhythm, regardless of our environment. Now we learn, I think we learn that best in the wilderness. I'm a wilderness guy. Take me to the Rockies and, you know, only periodically do you hear a plane, but I love the rhythm of the wilderness and the listening for God's voice. Well, I think we need to mimic that down here. And when we come down here, that's why I wrote, and there are all kinds of great spiritual formation books, but uh, I wrote Cave Time. Uh, so I, part of my own story that I shared with you there uh, in the midst of my own brokenness, I, I became clinically depressed and suffered with panic and anxiety. And I, I thought I was, you know, the man. And all of a sudden in my mid thirties had a real breaking point to where I reached out to God and started to pursue a spiritual rhythm with him that wasn't based on my performance. I was a performance addict. And so uh, when you're depressed and you're panicked and you think, you know, you're just, uh, uh, you know, everything's falling apart and you look to God in a different way, don't you? <clears throat> and you can read something from uh, someone like St. John of the Cross and, and uh, you know, Dark Night of the Soul takes a whole different meaning when you're having one. <laughs> and so, so uh, I, I came across things like that from spiritual fathers and mothers. And you begin to look at this rhythm of spirituality that we need to mimic and have in the midst of our busyness to where uh, on a daily basis, I don't care where you're at, uh, you can pursue that quietness with God, the one who is all of the omnis. Uh, you can pursue that with him because he's above all of that. Uh, but you got to push through. And that's what I learned uh, in, you know, in my own broken time. You, mi you mimic that through spiritual formation. How have you done that in your life? What does that look like on a daily basis? Yeah, five disciplines that I call the five stones of cave time. And they are these, number one. And what I did was I looked at in the midst of my breaking down. I wasn't sleeping anyway. <laughs> so when you can't sleep and you're panicked and you wake up, you really look at scripture differently and you pray differently, you worship differently. And so I'm, I'm in the text of scripture and I looked at the, the Davidic metaphor, King David, and you look at it in a fresh new way. Most people know about him killing Goliath, even secular people, pagan people know that, the David and Goliath story, but they don't know the why did God choose David anyway in 1 Samuel 16? Because David was taking care of business 
and had a spiritual rhythm when no one was watching and learned how to use a sling, learned how to write psalms, learned how to pr- play the harp and the lute and the lyre when no one was watching because he just worshiped. And so he had this rhythm. So when he was in public, he could mimic these things because a giant needed to be killed. Uh, so what I did is I began to look at that Davidic metaphor. And so he has the spiritual rhythm. He kills the giant. Then his life falls apart. I mean, people like stop in 1 Samuel 17. But when you go to 18, 19, 21, and 22, you're like, oh, my gosh. He was just serving God, and his life fell apart. His boss tried to kill him. His wife abandons him. His, you know, he, and he finds himself, 1 Samuel 22, in the cave at Adullam. Uh, why? Because he learned to hide. And so in my broken time, I'm like, oh, cave time. He had time in the cave. He escaped. And look what happened. 400 guys found him there, and they became um, an amazing army. In fact, we know this when we study the Davidic uh, metaphor. We study that narrative. If he would have stayed in the cave <laughs> and not gone to the rooftop because he thought, I'm all that, and a bag of chips when he was the king and he saw somebody else's wife, he was surfing the internet, man. He had a porn problem. <laughs> and, and, and he sees and he thinks, I'm the king. I deserve that. And he takes her as his own. If he would have kept, Charles Spurgeon said, if David would have kept the discipline he had in the cave and, have, and not gone to the rooftop, think, think of the ills that he would have you know, averted. That's what I, I looked at. What did David do in the cave? And he did this. Number one, he showed up. The discipline of showing up. Number two, he worshiped, right? You look at those Psalms. You look at Psalm 34 in a different way when you know the background that, you know, uh, when, when he talks about, uh, you know, looking to the Lord and, and, you know, praising him and we sing it in this, you know, Psalm 34 in this, you know, this, uh, these high, t- no, he was, he was hiding in a cave and he talks about glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together while he's got spit on his beard from the first Samuel 21 story. He knew what it was to worship. The third stone is the stone of prayer, that spiritual discipline of prayer. And I'm not talking these little, now I lay me down to sleep prayers. I'm talking visceral, read the Psalms like, you know, talk about road rage, right? Hating your enemies and, oh, but God, cleanse my heart. Make me like you, you know, visceral. And when you're depressed and panicked and anxious, those visceral prayers come out. And like you said earlier, we can be real with God. The fourth stone or discipline would be the stone of word. Engagement with the word, not just reading. You and I talked earlier about the doing and clicking off. Hey, I read the Bible today. Boom, done. No, but I'm talking ingesting the text of scripture because I can't sleep at night. I'm having panic attacks. I better, I better learn how to ingest the text right? I better learn how to bring it inside of me uh, if I'm really going to, you know, make it through this time. And then the fifth stone or the fifth discipline is community, living with a band of people who help us live well. And we see David practice those five stones, spiritual disciplines in the cave. And really we understand the thesis of all of scripture is this, that David was just mimicking (laughs) his Lord, (laughs) his rock, his shelter, his fortress, which we know were, he was seeing the Messiah. And Jesus was the ultimate 
uh, I say in my book, caveman. He was the ultimate one who knew what it was to go into the cave. And uh, must have been something in the water in Bethlehem, right? Because they were, David and Jesus were from the same town uh, and knew what it was, both of them. And so I make that point in my book that the Davidic metaphor we love, but ultimately David was pointing towards that thesis of scripture. Everything points towards Jesus who really practiced those five things that I just uh, laid on you right there, which is probably much longer answer than you asked for. So I'm sorry. Don't apologize for that because I was actually going to pull those out of you. So thank you for oh, saving me yeah. the trouble. Absolutely. BC Nation, pursue a rhythm, a spiritual rhythm with God that's not based on performance. That's Jeff Both's advice to you. You can find him at cavetime.org, cavetime.org. He just laid down the five spiritual disciplines Look at those, play the show again and again, and really just sit with which of those five are you missing in your life right now? Which of those five are you missing in your walk with God right now? There's at least one guaranteed you're missing. And it could make all the difference in you getting those results that you're looking for in your spiritual walk with God. Or it could make all the difference in you hearing the very real voice of God, the father who created you and wants to tell you about who you are, why you're here and what he has planned for you. If you want those answers to those burning questions, we all have look at those five disciplines. I really think Jeff has nailed this down and he didn't make them up. They're based on the life of David. They're based on the life of Jesus himself. God made man. So that means they're good enough for you is what I'm saying. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Uh, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to what I call the confession round. I'm going I, to I ask you. This. Yeah, I'm going to ask you 10 <laughs> quick fire questions, maybe 11, maybe 12. Who knows? Um, don't overthink it. They're just quick fire questions. They let us know really who you are. And uh, here we go. Are you ready, sir? Absolutely. What's your favorite thing about God? Relationship. What's your least favorite thing about God? He's so good. <laughs> he puts us. <laughs> yeah. It points out that I am not. <laughs> Boom. Nailed it. Exactly. That's probably why we avoid him. We don't want to actually see uh, ourselves. Uh, what are you most afraid of? Uh, my kids and grandkids dying. Got it. And Jeff, I believe we're all struggling with something in our life at any given moment. What are you struggling with right now, spiritually, personally in your life? Pride slash my impetuous nature. Got it. What secret fear do you have about people? Uh, uh their disloyalty. Mm. What did you spend way too much time doing in your 20s? <laughs> Playing video games. Got it. What's a new habit you'd like to form? I'd, I'd like to eat better and lose about 30 pounds. Okay. Well, you, God kind of blessed you with time to do that right now. So good luck. What is yeah, a bad habit? You. You're welcome. What is a bad habit you'd like to break? 
thinking about myself too much. Mm. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Consistent, passionate, rhythmic. Pick three words to describe who you were before you heard God's voice in your life. Uh, scared little boy. <laughs> I think you, you just, just for three. You <laughs> bro, that was so good. It was so simple, but you just nailed 99% of men, grown men yeah. are That's walking so around with what I call spiritual bullets in them. Woundedness, scared little boys. And our yeah. heavenly father is saying, son, come to me. I want to heal you. I want to take out the spiritual bullets, but we're so good at covering up the skin and pretending there's no bullet in there. I'm fine. Meanwhile, we're walking around like a hunchback in our life, trying to cope with compensate, live with the woundedness rather than take it to our father who wants to do heart surgery on us and heal us and set us free. So men, I just say to you and women, there's freedom on the other side of spending time in the wilderness with God, this freedom. That's the freedom you've been searching for, but just can't find on your own. Jeff, pick three words. Uh, no, we did that one. Uh, last question. If you could come back to life after you died, look your family and friends, your wife, Lori, your kids in the eye and give only one piece of advice to them about everything, life, eternity, all of it. What would you say to them? Fall deeply in love with Jesus. Fall deeply in love with Jesus. The only way to do that, BC Nation, is to spend time with him. That's the only way to fall deeply in love with anybody is spend time with them. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about falling deeply in love with Jesus? And I'm going to add, his heavenly father, because Jesus came to show Amen. us the father and we tend to stop at Jesus and not go through him to the father. What is the one thing you want my listener to know about getting that, having that deeper relationship rather than not? Yeah. Find your spiritual rhythm. And so I've obviously found five uh, rhythmic uh, stones, steps, uh, disciplines, there are a plethora of them there, but please find a spiritual rhythm uh, so that you can hear his voice. You can uh, spend time with him. And when you do, he, he gives you, he, he uh, uh, defines for you your purpose. You get direction. And so find your spiritual rhythm. I love it. I love it. What's the best way for BC Nation to get in touch with you if they so choose? Yeah, cavetime.org. Uh, I'm also uh, on Facebook, Jeff Voth. I'm on Facebook, uh, not as much on Instagram, but they can, uh, again, go to cavetime.org, Facebook, and uh, Jeff underscore Voth at cavetime.org as well. And where do they get your book? You can get my book all over. Uh, you can, uh, Amazon, you can go to Amazon. You can uh, bookstores uh, across the country or uh, our ministry, if you buy it from me at cavetime.org, go to our resource page and we've got all kinds of resources there. We got free videos that will keep you busy for a year. And, and you can also go and get, we got all kinds of cool gear. 
All right, BC Nation, go to cavetime.org, connect with Jeff. If he showed up in a powerful way for you, you resonated with his story, maybe God struck your heart like Moses struck the stone and outpoured water. Maybe God just struck your heart and opened it up just a little bit. Don't push down what God just brought up. Trust me, don't push it down. That means he wants it out of you. He wants to set you free, bring it to him, surrender it to him, that, that ugly wound from maybe childhood. All right, Jeff, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, my friend. Thank you, brother. Bless you. Cheers. BC Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your life without building faith in your business. If you want the business side of that conversation, I have another podcast called First 100K, where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, because that's where I believe 90% of you are stuck and you can't break through. Go to first100k.com to find out how. I'm Joseph Warren. You were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you right back here next week.